This podcast is supported by Nutrova, a homegrown startup using nutrition science to help you take charge of your health. Hi, it's me Sarah Jane Dice and I'm here to help you as any friend would whether it's to give you a little bit of inspiration or a bit of a boost first thing in the morning a way to help you move forward or maybe even cheer you up if you're having a bad day along with yours truly i'll be bringing along people who have found ways to overcome and people who really inspire it's a guaranteed feel good smoothie for your soul On the show with me today I'm in conversation with fellow actor Tahir Raj Basin. I emphasize the fellow because there is no topic more relatable to actors than rejection. And the lessons we learn from those situations often stay with us through good times and through bad. Having worked on films like Mardani, Manto, Chichore and 83 to name a few, Tahir has learned some important lessons about work and life alike that I'm curious to know. So let's dive right into this conversation. So I wanted to do this interview with Tahir who I've worked with in the past and was a wonderful soul to have on set really funny spontaneous which is always good when you're having long shifts also just really candid and honest and and somebody who takes that candid honesty forward through all his communication and one of the things that tahir speaks about a lot is rejection and you don't usually find celebrities and actors talking about this because everyone assumes that you became successful overnight so what i wanted to talk to tahir about is tell me about your most rejection filled day like what was like the worst day and what was that like hey sara thank you for having me i just want everyone listening to this podcast to know that everything that we're going to talk about is stuff that comes from 10 years of having worked in bombay and having acted and so while some of it might sound like zen wisdom it's actually a series of failures and rejections that got to that i love how you started which says that you wanted to start with talking about rejection which i really see as talking about the journey and the process because as a society i feel like we're increasingly conditioned to celebrate high points and highlights and only when you're on that pedestal and when you're walking on the red carpet or winning that gold medal or that award that people notice you but very seldom do people talk about everything that it took to get there so i'm really glad that we're talking about this one of the things that you learn when you consistently work towards getting something and this could be any goal it could be acting writing singing dancing being an entrepreneur is that you learn through hit and trial how to reframe rejection and as a result you don't end up looking at it as a rejection anymore rejection is so important because without it there is no success i mean it's cliched but without the dark there is no light and see what i meant about zen wisdom because this is stuff that you can only understand if you've seen the dark side where you start to appreciate the wins more and so you said run you through a day of rejection i feel like every actor in bombay if you're out there trying or if you're an entrepreneur or a writer or a singer anyone who's out there trying to start a new idea is met with resistance and this resistance could be something internal like it could be something psychological that you're facing it could be something that you're facing from friends and family it could be something that you face with with an audition or a screen test not working out and i've been through that and i think when i look back at it in hindsight it took me about 
three years of auditioning before I signed the first big debut film, which was a film called Mardani with uh, Yashraj Films. And when I look at it, I don't think I could have done that film to the degree with which I did it, had it not been for all the experience of having going through times when I didn't get what I wanted to question myself about how I can improve and then get to the point where I had reached the confidence to say that, hey man, I've got this one shot. I've got to knock it out of the park. It's do or die. It's like a biochemical reaction. Like I feel like for me, it's not just a one-sided thing that I feel. It's like a physical, emotional reaction. And I want to know what that's like for you. Like what do you feel? Where does your mind go? And then how do you perhaps even overcome it? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I love that you use the word biochemical reaction because that's really what it is. Like your serotonin goes down, your dopamine goes down. And there is, I think, scientifically speaking, it's almost like you're in pain. It's like the reaction that your body feels when you get physically hit, when you get emotionally hit. And it's the same thing when you get bad news from a friend or family member or when you go through a breakup or when you're the feeling of not getting something that you aspire to is a biochemical reaction. But here's the key is that you can train yourself on how to reduce that level. And that's a whole different talk altogether. It's called neuroplasticity. And this is something great that I heard in a podcast recently to say that, you know, success isn't about how many times you fail or how many times you get rejected. It's about how less time you take to bounce back. And I thought that was so powerful because everybody goes through times when they're told that you can't get this or you can't do this or, you know, and not see that as never, except and see that as a not now, not at the moment, you know, and that it's temporary. And so to get back to your question of how do you deal with that? Initially, you deal with it like anyone else does. You There are, you know, where it takes you two weeks to get out of it, where you feel like, hey, maybe there's a lot of self-doubt. There's, you know, you question yourself and then gradually over a period of months, that two weeks becomes 10 days. And then that 10 days becomes one week. And then a few years later, that one week becomes three days where now it's down to five minutes and everyone processes it biochemically the same way. And there's this fabulous example that we were given in, in class, which I'll run you through. It'll take about a minute, but think about like a multimillionaire, right? Who's got like tons invested in the stock market. And then you've got someone who is on a farm and they've got five cattle, you know, they were five sheep and the stock market crashes and this multimillionaire loses like a hundred million dollars or crores of rupees. And there's a flood and two sheep die for the farmer. The biochemical reaction of loss for both of those people the guy who lost $200 million out of his $500 million, and the farmer who lost two sheep out of five is similar, if not the same, is because they're looking at it in relation to what, what they had. And so to understand that concept of saying that we process what we think is a loss in proportion to what we thought was a win is very, very important, I feel, for everyone listening. And I think everyone can relate to this, where in a moment in time, you feel like it's the end of the world. It might be the end of a relationship or a job you didn't get. But five years later, when you look back at it, you're like, huh, that wasn't so bad. You know, maybe it happened for the best. Or maybe I learned something coming out of that relationship or that job or that failed investment or that failed startup idea or whatever it was. And so to reframe your rejection as something that you can learn from is something that I learned with time. And I did come from two weeks of just 
oh my God, things are never going to change. This rejection is the end of the world to now just taking it as like, okay, that's another one. Let's hit the road running for the next challenge. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love how well-versed you are with everything that you spoke about. You've clearly done a lot of reading about it. And this is something that I talk about a lot. You know, people go on about how bad the internet is, but I'm just like, but there's so much of really useful information out there if you just put it to good use. But what I wanted to ask you when you were talking, I just realized because you have a wicked sense of humor. I don't know how many people know that. But what I wanted to ask you was, have you ever had any like really ridiculously funny feedback on auditions? Like what's the funniest thing you've heard about an audition or a rejection comment? The funniest thing I've heard is when someone says, hey, that's too natural. It's not looking like you're acting. Can you try and do something that makes us feel like you're acting? And I was just like, hey, man, I don't know if anyone's told you, but that's the whole point of acting is that people can't tell that you're saying lines. And so I found that funny because ironically, when when Mardani happened and then, I mean, more recently, Chichore happened, it was the fact that you naturally slip into a character that people tend to appreciate. And yet that was the thing that a lot of the rejections came from earlier is that, hey, we can't tell that you're acting. I was like, really? Wow. I didn't know that was a bad thing. Have you ever been told that you're too good looking for a part? <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes. I mean... Uh, you, you, you don't have to be modest about it. I mean, that's the thing about acting, right? Is that sometimes it's a variable you can't change the way you look, besides, of course, prosthetics and makeup and costume and all of that. But there is a certain body type and a skin tone and your, what your eyes and your nose and all, all of your features. And sometimes it really works for you. And sometimes it really works against you. But I think I've been very lucky to work with either casting people or directors who like to cast against type and sort of question where why must a character look a particular way? So it's been interesting for me to sort of overcome what an audience might subconsciously feel when they see me on screen, but try and act against that type. So what I wanted to check with you next about was, you said rejection has always come with the opportunity for learning. And that a valuable lesson you've learned is adaptability. And I think that this is something that you probably have learned from childhood with your father being a pilot in the Indian Air Force. And I want to understand from you what that was like and how the values of this theme of the change is constant then had an impact on your life as an actor or just on your life in general. Sure, all of those pearls of wisdom come in hindsight because at the time you're just a child who is being told, for those of you who don't know, when you're from a defense family, you move house every two years. And this is pre-internet. So that means every two years, all the friends that you made, you know, all the locality that you were in, so you lose all of that. It literally is like one day you come back from school and your entire house is in boxes because you're now moving to a new city and you have no idea what local language they're going to speak there, what kind of school it's going to be, whether, and this is pre-Facebook, so whether you're ever going to speak to the people who you're really good friends with, and as you get older, whether the girlfriend or the girl who is in class you're ever going to see again. And so at the time, feels like heartbreak. But what you learn in, in hindsight is that it very quickly gets you to blend into whatever the new scenario is. And you want to make friends because you want to be the guy that other people get on with really fast. And that as a life skill, I feel in hindsight, is really valuable, both to survive when you move to a new city, because I'm not from Bombay, where you have to enter a meeting and make an impression in a very short amount of time, or in when you're playing a character where you have to get into the skin of someone who's not really you. 
And in a philosophical way of speaking, I've been acting my whole life without knowing it. I mean, we all are, whether we're conscious of it or not. But this is just a little more like your set literally changes every two years. So do the characters, the supporting cast around you. And so subconsciously, I think I picked up a lot on that. Also, it helped a lot with the Hindi because a lot of the postings were in Madhya Pradesh or UP. And so language and understanding what an audience all over the country really appreciates and understands and the kind of stories that everyone relates to is something that I, I really picked up. But Change is constant and it's hard regardless. It's something that we're all learning because of the past two years is that a lot of things around us have changed and it feeds into that just to be grateful. So I think gratitude for the present is something that I really came out of that childhood. That actually leads me to my next question because I think that clearly these are your values because you naturally sort of bring them to light and you've naturally gone into what I was going to ask you about being grounded and grateful. But before I go there, break time, I will see you soon. As you listen to me take you through various ways to be the better version of yourself and work towards better health goals, our partners Nutrova are a homegrown nutrition company that develops evidence-based nutrition products to help you take charge of your health. By delivering the proven benefits of high-grade nutrients in the form of evidence-based supplements, you get to have more control on achieving your personal health goals, whatever they may be. For more details, go to Nutrova.com. That's N-U-T-R-O-V-A dot com. Now let's head back to chat some more. You said something interesting and that made me think about the fact that do you feel that you learned how to be detached also from your early childhood? Because I feel like I needed to learn how to get detached from the outcome of an audition. And I don't, I just wanted to know if that's something that, because I feel like doing your best and then detaching from the outcome is very important. Yeah, um, that's a really interesting question. And no one's picked up on that. I guess what I told you was the positive aspect, but to an extent, what comes with it is not only detached from a situation, but you can also detach from people really quickly. Now that can be either a superpower or it could be something negative. So it's something that I've had to work on where you don't just detach from someone or something for the sake of it but it does come in handy if you're a freelancer because what happens if you're a freelance artist or an entrepreneur is that you get really committed to an idea for a very short amount of time but when your work on it is done you need to move on to something else it's very human when you've nurtured something to want to try and hold on to that and try and constantly check up on how it's doing and be very attached to what the outcome is but in our line of work, it's also unhealthy. It's almost like I like to try and maintain a 30-70 balance when once I'm out of it, I still want to be 30% sort of attached to how's it going? How's it looking? How's it shaping up? What are people going to be saying about it? And all of that. But 70% of you is really got to be focusing on either what's going on in your life right now or personal-wise or work-wise, what's coming up. Cool. So I was going to move on to talking about being grounded and grateful alongside being ambitious, which I think is a particularly interesting mix. But yeah, I just want you to talk about the groundedness and the gratefulness and just what it means to you and if there are any practices that you have to maintain your ground. Because you are, like I've said this before, I've worked with you and for all intents and purposes, you are a star. But there is a certain undeniable grounded aspect to you, which I find very attractive and very human and I want to know how you keep that. 
It's got a lot to do, first of all, with the kind of people who I've worked with. So a lot of the films who I've done, I've worked with John Abraham, who's a lot like that. Like he's a bona fide star, but also so grounded in where how he started. I've worked with Nawazuddin Siddiqui, who's a lot like that as well. And I mean, when I think about it, just as I'm speaking, it's a great combination of the physical discipline that John has and the acting discipline that Nawaz has. And if I may, I try and sort of combine both of those and try and sort of inculcate it. But here's the thing. I think being grounded comes with being open to the idea of being vulnerable at times. And by vulnerable, I don't mean in any way being weak because one of my favorite phases is be kind, but also take no shit, you know? And it's so important to maintain that balance. And why I say vulnerable is because to be grounded means to acknowledge the fact that a lot of things had to fall in place for you to be where you are at the moment, in this very moment in time, you know, of just doing this podcast with Sarah Jane and the work that I've done before this, the work that I'm going to do after this. And it's a certain amount of gratitude that comes from that and not believing that, hey man, I am the sole person and thing that was responsible for making all of this happen. Of course, the effort and the goal setting and the type A personality that you described all goes into it. But a little bit of humility attached to that to say that, hey man, I'm also grateful for everything working out is where the being grounded comes from. But what do you do? Like, are you, do you have a practice? I mean, I can go to my usual go-tos, which is affirmations and meditations or even working out or, you know, but do you have a set practice that helps you give yourself a gentle reminder? Meditations, for sure. They would have to be guided meditations, which I would normally do with headphones just like these on. And also because I don't think I have the focus yet to do meditations without an audio guide, I would really recommend it to people who are just starting off. Uh, there are tons of apps out there that help you get into the process. And it's called a gratitude list, where if you've got five minutes at the start of your day or five minutes at the end, and this could be very small things. Like it could just be, hey, I had a great breakfast this morning or I met a friend for coffee or I had a great phone conversation with a friend. And I think if anything, the past two years have sort of reminded us that it's the small things that keep us going. So it's those two things, I think meditation and just being grateful for the small things and actually not just thinking about it, but actually putting it down, pen and paper. Yeah. Another thing that you do that I know you take quite seriously is time to disconnect and time to travel. I remember you did that just after we shot for Time Out. And I think you've probably done it for other projects as well. And that's something that I want you to just talk a little bit and speak a little bit into because I feel like we're in this hyper overdrive of hustle culture. And again, it's got its pros. You know, I'm overtly ambitious, as I said. So much that I want to do and stuff. But I've always valued the importance of time off and disconnecting. So I want to know what that's like for you, how you learned the importance of it, or was it something that was always important to you? And what do you do when you're sort of taking this time off? First of all, like just to define what time off is, because I've also discovered this gradually, just like you, I'm sort of goal driven or driven towards a project. If I've ticked off something that I've accomplished I'd like to take time off to sort of enjoy the thought that that's a job well done and also to reset for the next one. What doesn't work for me, which did when I started traveling when I was a teenager, is when I can just travel for the sake of traveling or what I discovered during the lockdown. I was very lucky to be shooting in Ladakh and Manali when the second lockdown hit. 
And I had the choice of whether I wanted to come back from there once the lockdown hit. And I decided to stay back and on a farm stay. And it was a beautiful farm and it was green. And I was blessed to be able to walk out into a garden and there were dogs, these beautiful, like there was a Siberian husky and there was a golden retriever. And I was there for two months. But after about a month and a half, I started to realize that it didn't feel like a getaway anymore. My mind was very aware what the rest of the world was going through, what my friends and family were going through. Also, the fact that there was work that was pending. And although the pandemic is an extreme example, but the reason I'm trying to say this is because people feel like just disconnecting for the sake of disconnecting is going to get you instantly creative or just like travel culture for the sake of being hashtag wanderlust is going to work miracles in your life. I like to travel as a form of self-introspection, as a form of meditation, as a form of getting out and discovering a new aspect of yourself. And sometimes that means going out there and going to a new place. Sometimes it can just be going back to an old familiar place and definitely solo travel over large groups any day. Okay. Well, I'm going to end this interview with this question because, you know, I feel like when you sort of give away, like you said, Gyan, and you're talking about sort of sounding really philosophical and stuff, people listen to it and they sort of, it maybe sinks in. But I find that people respond really well to things that they can actionably do. So your one go-to tool for a moment of rejection, what would it be? Can I give you three instead of one? Yeah. Okay, let's do this. So uh, this is something that I learned after I had emotionally and mentally committed to acting. And you can apply this to any field that you're in, whether it's creative or otherwise. I feel like when you're an actor, you're not committing to the profession. You're committing to the lifestyle. And so if a certain degree of uncertainty is not something that you can handle or a certain degree of rejection or a certain degree of judgment is not something that you can imbibe, deal with, and then process positively, that's something you've got to work on. So you've got to, my first thing would be, you've got to commit to the process. And your process has got to be, how do you channel that? Like if you channel that positively into a great workout, or do you channel that negatively into drugs or like indulgent eating? So commit to your process, like find your positive way to channel whatever that is. My second one would be something we've spoken of would be gratitude. Sometimes it's being grateful for the smallest things that can get you out of like the biggest shitholes, man. Like even if you appreciate like cliched example, a great sunrise or a sunset that you saw and the fact that you breathe clean air for the day, that can every day consistently done over 21 days can just completely shift your mindset on how you process the most negative things. Quickly, before you say number three, I just wanted to say something to everybody yes. listening that a gratitude practice works like filling your bank account so that on a rainy day, when you need that reserve, it's there. So the gratitude practice will reveal its benefits on the day that you are having a bad day. So you could be doing this gratitude practice blindly and feeling that it's not really having an effect. But the day you have a bad day or the day you've got a rejection, suddenly this gratitude practice will come into use because you filled your bank and then it will deplete again because you've used your reserves and then it is your job to fill it up again. So it's just hit repeat on a gratitude practice, but that's all I wanted to say. Just to add to that, that's a great point because I feel like there is again so much of think positive culture or be grateful sort of culture. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're just in the completely in denial of the facts that are before you and just like grateful for the small things and ignoring the big things. 
positive thinking doesn't mean always be positive. Positive thinking means despite the negative circumstances around you, you get up and take action, hoping for a better positive and visualizing that positivity. And I think that's really important. You can't just have a vision board and do nothing about it or have a list of things to be grateful for and not want to take action. Taking action despite the odds is what will determine whether you're successful or not. Because if I was facing a day of massive rejection, and as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, feeling bad about it in the initial years for 12 days, on the 13th day, I would get up and I would take action. And it's that getting up on the 13th day that gradually became the 10th day, the seventh day, the one day, the sixth minute is what differentiates, quote unquote, the winners from the not winners. So beautifully said. That's exactly what it is. But I must ask you, what is number three or have I made you forget it? No, no. Number three is have a reason for what you're doing and why you're doing it. Stay true to your why. And your why can't be because I want to be rich and famous. That might be the outcome of what you do. You might be a very successful. Or that. It might ultimately end up being the result of what you do. You might become a very successful lawyer or a banker or an entrepreneur or an actor. But if that's your why, you will constantly find yourself comparing yourself to the more famous person, the more rich person, the more glamorous person. If your why instead is rooted into a cause that fulfills you and you constantly remind yourself that, it'll just act as a great guide to all of your decisions. Yeah, I've actually spoken about this in one of my shorter episodes, which is called The Mystery of Motivation. But with that, we have come to the end of our interview. For everybody listening, this is attempt number three, which has been successful, which means we have broken a otherwise lurking jinx. But thank you for your time, Tahir. You're welcome. I hope that went like you wanted it to. Well, would you look at that? That big scary monster called rejection doesn't seem as big and scary anymore. So it's basically in our hands to take actionable steps to turn that dark cloud into a rainbow of opportunity. As Tahir said, success isn't about how many times you fail or how many times you get rejected. It's about how you bounce back from it. The way we channel our rejection could be what makes us or what breaks us in the long run. So we might as well make something good come out of a rainy day. And to keep up with Tahir and maybe get a glimpse of his famous Gyan, check out our show notes to see where you can follow him. And for more feel-good vibes, head to Figoko, that's F-E-G-O-C-O, on Instagram. 